0: now time for the billy c show part of the billy c Boxing.com network
1: and we're coming to you live from the billy c studios in Lake George, New York, I'm Bill Calagero, and It's time for the Talking Box with Billy C show. Don't even know the name of my show. Good day, good evening, good morning. Whether I'm in the right order or not, who cares? Uh, glad uh, you could be with us today or tonight or whatever. Today's show is being brought to you us in part by the Title battle Championship computer game. Get yourself a copy right now. Visit our website www. You know what? You don't have to do the WWWs no more. It's just billycboxing.com. Click on the title belt banner. Now, remember, it's a simulation game, so you can put uh, guys like our topic tonight, Joe Lewis against uh, Klitschko or whatever. It's a great game. Get yourself a copy. Make sure you tell them Billy C sent you. Today's show is also brought to you in part by the Southern Gourmet Spice Company. Uh, Check out why Kenny Bear's Barbecue rub. His seasoned salt and my all-time newest favorite, the Cajun Spice, is the only uh, seasoning that I use on everything. Uh, check it out, southerngourmetspice.com. That's southerngourmetspice.com. Make sure you tell them Billy C sent you and demand the Billy C discount. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by, you guessed it, my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men in a Plane, is about- Right now, where all good books are sold, you can get a copy right now where you're watching or listening to this very show. Just visit uh, barnesandnoble.com or, of course, uh, you can always go uh, to amazon.com. Okay, here we go. Today's show, um, Joe Lewis, uh, the Brown Bomber. Um, I I got some great stuff. You know, Dax Conn is going to be joining us a little bit. Uh, Alex Papali is going to be joining us a little bit later. And uh, we're going to give you our thoughts on uh, former world heavyweight champion and boxing hall of famer, uh, Joe Lewis. Um, let me start off by saying Joe Lewis is, is uh, a lot of people consider him one of the best heavyweights of all time. Um, right up there with, uh, generally when you're mentioning Joe Lewis's name, you're also sprinkling in uh, Rocky Marciano uh, and Muhammad Ali. I mean, typically uh, those are the, the three when you start uh, going back in time. But Joe Lewis is a little special, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, this was a guy that uh, fought, um, you know, beginning in the in the thirties, uh, just just before the mid thirties. I would say nineteen thirty four was his pro debut, and his last fight uh, was his loss to Rocky Marciano in nineteen fifty one, uh, changing of the guard, so to speak. Uh, he had uh, already lost his title. Uh, and then climbed back up into ranks to get a shot at Rocky Marciano. Um, but the story of Joe Lewis goes a lot deeper. And 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now, I got something really cool that we're going to be playing here a little bit later. Um, a good friend of mine uh, who is no longer with us, uh, Steve Lott. And I don't know how many of you know who Steve Lott uh, was, but when Mike Tyson... Um, uh, was, uh, you know, in his in his prime. Uh, you know, there were two guys, uh, Jacobs and, and Bill Clayton, uh, were the two guys that you always saw associated uh, with Mike Tyson, of course, Custom Auto. Um, but the third guy of the Clayton-Jacobs uh, mix was Steve Lott. And Steve Lott uh, had a lot to do with the uh, organization called Big Fights uh, Incorporated, which was the collection, the boxing collection of, uh, of uh, jacobs and 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 uh, Clayton. And this was the same uh, collection that uh, ESPN bought for some outrageous amount of money. But Steve Lott maintained the rights to a lot of other video. As a matter of fact, he gave us the permission when we did our show when uh, the late great Sal Rocky Santa and myself uh, did our 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 uh, uh, programs where we rebroadcast some of these great fights. They were given to me, and I got the permission to re-air them uh, by uh, Steve Lott. Now, um, uh, Steve Lott also uh, had given me uh, a copy of the original radio broadcast of Joe Lewis against Max Schmeling, the rematch, okay? Um, And we first aired it with Steve Lott when I did an event in Las Vegas back uh in 2012 uh september 11th 2012 to to be exact and uh, we had a lot of fun there um we uh we broadcast for a week uh from las vegas had some great uh guests and stuff you can punch it up and find it but in any event i have that and i'm gonna play that a little bit later so that's coming up um and that's it's it's pretty much bone chilling when you listen to it and i'll tell you why you you got a lot of people don't realize when when Joe Lewis fought Max Schmeling the first time and, and suffered his first defeat. That the exact let's see the date on that uh, was uh, June nineteenth, nineteen thirty six. Now going into that fight, Joe Lewis was undefeated, and he was trying to get a title shot. And uh, at the time. Uh, Max Schmeling was was now now remember this is going this is World War II so you know you're dealing with Nazi Germany and and all of this stuff and Max Schmeling was an up and coming fighter and actually uh, Hitler uh, wanted him to come over to the United States and and beat the beloved Joe Louis who who incidentally again he wasn't the world champion yet it's important I keep mentioning that and you'll see why a little bit later um, but he went into this fight. Max Schmeling was 48 uh, wins, seven losses, and four draws. The fight was uh, at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, and it was scheduled for 15 rounds. And Max Schmeling knocked out uh, Joe Lewis, knocked him out uh, in this fight. And it, it was something that Joe Lewis uh, couldn't, uh, couldn't deal with. And, and uh, you know, this is a shot right here uh, of Joe Lewis on the canvas being counted out. Uh, and Max Schmeling is in the background uh, right there, okay? So, this happened, uh, like I said, uh, in, uh, in 1936. Now, give you a little history. Uh, Max Schmeling went on uh, to, uh, to, to, to win the title uh, and then lose it, um, and, you know, uh, um, Mike, well, actually, uh, I'm wrong. Um, Max Schmeling uh, had a title shot and lost. The title ended up in the hands of, uh, the Cinderella man, Jim Braddock, and Joe Lewis went and fought all these fighters, uh, Jack Sharkey, uh, uh Eddie Sims, young Stanley Ketchel, Bob Pastor, uh, and he finally got his shot, uh, at, uh, at Jim Braddock. Um, now, uh, here's a shot of Braddock and Lewis, um, but Lewis couldn't get the Max Schmeling fight, uh, out of his head, okay, and, um, they wanted to have a rematch, so we're going to get to that in a little bit uh, about the rematch, and that, boys and girls, is the fight that we have on the radio, the rematch that we have the original radio broadcast, okay, Uh, but back to just looking at Joe Lewis's career, he was undefeated going into that fight against Max Schmeling, got knocked out in the 12th round, the fight was scheduled for 15, uh, got back uh, in the ring two months later, uh, and had... uh, 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 a win over uh, Jack Sharkey. And like I said, Al, his next fight was Al uh, Editor and uh, Jorge Briscada, Eddie Sims, young Stanley Ketchel, <coughs> excuse me, Bob Pastor, Nady Brown, which set up his world championship fight against Jim Braddock in 1937 in Chicago. The fight was scheduled for 15 rounds and Joe Lewis, <coughs> excuse me, knocked out Braddock uh, in the eighth to win the world title. Now, this is where a lot of people, you'll hear the term bum of the month club. Uh, A lot of people were, uh, you know, um, um, uh, critical of the fighters that Joe Lewis uh, was fighting. Um, But as we talked about on this show, a lot of these guys would have been champions today with all the belts. And let's take a look at some of these fighters because... Um, and it, Jim Braddock was, was a, a, a great fighter in his own right. But after that fight, so so he won the title. Um, and uh, by the way, um, Max Schmeling won uh, the title prior to this fight. I, just to give you the, the history, I, I skipped over this. Max Schmeling had won the title in 1930 with a, a disqualification win over Jack Sharkey. He lost it in 1932 to Sharkey, which was a, a very... Um, controversial fight. So Max Schmeling himself uh, would, uh, uh, was also a uh, a former world champion when, when he fought uh, Joe Lewis. But anyway, after Joe Lewis wins the title uh, in 1937 against Jim Braddock, he faces uh, some pretty tough opposition when you look at these guys. Tommy Farr, Nathan Mann, Harry Thomas, Max Schmeling, the fight we're going to talk about a little bit later. John Henry Lewis, uh, he fought um in 1939 uh and you know the wins that he has uh, you know uh he ended up losing uh his world title uh um to uh he won his world title against Jim Braddock and um he fought uh, uh all the way up until he lost uh to um uh the as a Charles actually and look at these wins. Bob Pastor, Turo Gooday, Johnny Paycheck was another good fighter of his time. Al McCoy. Yeah, the real Al McCoy. Uh, Gus Doriazzo. Abe Simon. Abe Simon was a fighter that, um, you know, he was a big guy. And he was a talented fighter that, uh, of the time, because of all the talent that was out there, didn't get the credit where he was due. He was another guy that, you uh, uh, that, Joe Lewis knocked out. In the 13th round of a, by the way, scheduled 20-round fight, he also has wins over Buddy Bear. Billy Kahn in that famous uh, uh, fight where Billy Kahn was having his way against Joe Lewis and decided he wanted to go for the knockout. He was way ahead on scorecards, could have won the fight easy. Uh, the fight was scheduled for 15 rounds. It was a 13-round loss for Billy Kahn because he went for the knockout, and you just don't do that against the Joe Lewis. Uh, Lou Nova... He fought Billy Conn again, Tammy Moralo, Jersey Joe Walcott, uh, and then finally he fought Ezra Charles in 1950. Okay, after holding on to the title for uh, 27 uh, successful uh, title defenses, where he uh, won uh, 22 of those by knockout and lost the title to Ezra Charles. Uh, He he climbed up the ranks again after the Ezra Charles fight and fought a couple of quality uh, opponents. Lee Savold, he fought, Cesar Bryant, and Jimmy Bivens. A lot of you guys, hopefully, uh, you know who uh, uh, Jimmy Bivens is, um, and and beat him. And he earned a shot uh, against Rocky Marciano and uh, ultimately lost, and that was his last fight. Um, Joe Lewis, uh, had a career record of 66 wins, 52 coming by knockout, uh, three losses and, um, uh, <coughs> two of those, uh, he was stopped the Max Schmeling fight. And of course the Rocky Marciano fight, uh, the other loss, um, that, uh, he had, um, was, uh, uh, his second fight, uh, against, uh, uh, Ezra Charles, I believe he lost two fights to Ezra Charles, oh, uh, Max Schmeling I'm sorry, uh, Max Schmeling was the one Ezra Charles and of course Rocky Marciano um, so Joe Lewis uh, some other things about Joe Lewis Joe Lewis was a real likable guy, uh, everybody loved him and Dax mentioned it last week uh, about how following Jim Crow America and the way Jack Johnson was perceived as a black uh, American heavyweight champion and how cocky he was and everything else, um, Joe Lewis was was kind of managed and and coached on how to act so that everyone would love him. And it worked because everyone did love him, except for the government. And I'll tell you why. You know, this is a part of Joe Lewis's story that just irks me to this day. Joe Lewis, um, first of all, Joe Lewis should get credit uh you know he he world war II, he 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 was in he he was in the army now during the time that joe lewis was in the army it was segregated joe lewis made a big deal about it because joe lewis would fight uh and donate his purses for the war war effort here's a shot of uh of joe lewis uh in his uniform uh and he, you know ultimately the government taxed him he donated his whole purse to you know the war effort right and the government taxed him no one advised him about that and years later they went after him for tax evasion until the day he died they were hounding him drove him crazy Um, you know I have a hard time ever forgiving uh, our own government for doing what they did to Joe Lewis you know if it was something like some of these clowns today you know don't pay the taxes or whatever or, or fight just to pay the taxes on the previous fight you know, you could make the argument. But this was a man, Joe Lewis, who fought for the war, war effort and donated his friggin' purse to the war effort, okay? And they still wanted to tax him on it. It kills me. It kills me. But the other thing that he should get credit for is that Joe Lewis um, was instrumental in um, making the uh, un- uh, desegregating, Uh, The service He made a big thing about it And he said Because here he would Here he was uh, Excuse me a minute Here he was um, Fighting And donating his purse And uh, They weren't going to let the other black uh, uh, You know uh, Soldiers Sit in the same arena You know, and and he was like, "What are you crazy?" No, and he 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 caused them to be able to sit with their fellow soldiers that were different color than them, and uh, ultimately uh, helped uh, desegregate uh, the the United States uh, military. Um, But anyway, uh, Joe Louis, devastating puncher. Um, He was a guy that, uh, uh, well, even this guy Muhammad Ali. Uh, loved joe lewis and here's a shot uh of uh muhammad ali with joe lewis um and this fight uh was uh, uh in uh nineteen seventy five uh joe lewis was sixty one years old uh at the time and um he uh he looks pretty old. If you if you look at this shot again, I mean everybody looked old in that time. I mean they can't look as young and, and uh, as cheerful as myself. But but the truth of the matter is is if you ever punch up, if you Google uh, Joe Lewis uh, last photo with cowboy hat, if if you do that, you'll see a shot of Joe Lewis when he died. He was sixty six years old. I'm telling you, he looked like he was ninety. He was in a wheelchair and everything else. Um, he did. He was married a couple of times um, he did have a problem with with uh drug uh abuse towards the end of his life, which shocked me when I learned that years ago, um, especially such a uh a guy that was regarded as a uh such a a clean uh american you know and, and to find out that uh you know he was uh actually uh, addicted to heroin uh for a long time. Uh, Towards the end of his life. Um, Joe Lewis was a guy that was beloved uh, by uh, not just boxing fans, uh, but by a lot of people, Um, by everyone, actually. Um, How could you not like uh, Joe Lewis? Um, The Bum in a Month Club, I think, um, really puts in perspective of what the times were like uh, compared to what they are uh, today. Um, You know, like I said, you know, Abe Simon um, would have easily have been a champion today. Um, uh, You know, and and the list goes on and on with with those bums of the month. He fought frequently, uh, had all those title defenses. Um, Another interesting thing to, to show the differences of the times, Joe Lewis's average weight was around 200 pounds when he fought. Uh, he was six foot one and a, and a half inches tall. He had a seventy-six uh, uh, inch reach. Um, the heaviest he fought at was two hundred and eighteen pounds. When he fought Rocky Marciano, Rocky Marciani was two hundred and thirteen and three quarter pounds. So it, 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 you know, what's amazing about Joe Lewis is that he was so disciplined, um, and you know, you could tell even aging, he, he maintained pretty close to his weight. Um, very, uh, 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 by the book fighter. Um, you know, he, he set people up. He had devastating punching power. Um, I, I he just was a great fighter. I, I mean, it was, there's just, there'll never be, there'll never be another Joe Lewis. And, and when I say that, I'm not saying that there may not be a guy that you could make an argument about, um, you know, oh, so and so was better. He had a better record, or whatever the case is. But the difference is, is that Joe Lewis, um, he was the whole country loved Joe Lewis, and, and and beyond the country loved Joe Lewis. You know, and it just, you know, textbook the way he was, the way he fought, the way he set up his opponents. Um, there was just no one else like him. Uh, during uh during his era and 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 afterwards, I, I don't think that there'll ever be another one like him. He was a classy, classy guy. He was a class act. There's no question about it. He also was a guy that was screwed over uh, by the sport in which he made a living. He did make a lot of money, but he was screwed. And uh, when he died, he was, you know, pretty much broke. He was a greeter uh, at the casinos when he could stand. Um, he did a little stint in, in, uh, professional wrestling. Um, he did what he could. Uh, he ended up making money just being Joe Lewis. Uh, people wanted to, to meet him. Um, but to me, and you see some of the photos, I mean, if you go back, I mean, there's a shot uh, where he was with a young Fidel Castro of, of Cuba before, uh, before, you know, there was, uh, nobody was allowed to go there. Um, and you know, everybody wanted to be with him. You know, at that time, heavyweight champions, that's how a lot of them made their money. A lot of them made their money just by being a world champion. And, you know, after their careers and earlier in, in the sport of boxing, they would they wouldn't make as many title defenses. Joe Lewis obviously did, but they wouldn't make as many title defenses. They would travel around the country and just make money being the world heavyweight champion. Joe Lewis uh, made a living, so to speak, a modest living after he was a champion. Uh, after he retired, I should say, just because he was Joe Lewis, and um, I, he did it out of necessity. Uh, but, uh, but in any event, uh, joining us right now is my man uh, Dax Khan. Dax Khan, what's up, brother? Billy C, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, Joe Lewis. Uh, what's your thoughts,
0: Joe? Is a uh, that's a hard one, you know, to because there's so much about him that extends beyond boxing, and it's really more than what I think a lot of today's younger mindset can even handle. If that makes sense,
1: it does of
0: exactly it, how important Joe Lewis was to not just the country but the world. How Joe Lewis was screwed over so badly, how he affected people who were celebrities, who were politicians, other fighters. Joe Lewis, believe it or not, and I know a lot of these younger fans will laugh or doubt or um, dismiss because, again, they really can't grasp that. Joe Lewis was bigger than Muhammad Ali. He was bigger than Sugar Ray Robinson. Mike Tyson in one because of everything surrounding him over so many years.
1: Dax, I I started the show a little early today because I was so excited uh, about uh, I had been mentioning Uh, You know some of the stuff I've uncovered That I finally found And I found um, When we did our uh, Las Vegas stint I was in Vegas for a week doing the show uh, Back in 2012 And Steve Lott uh, The late Steve Lott um, Was on the show and and he gave me uh, The recording Of the Max Schmeling fight, the second fight That I'm going to play here in a minute Um, But I want to make sure that... Uh, and I was waiting for you to come on um, because the the first, first Max Schmeling fight, uh, which took place in June uh, of 1936 at Yankee Stadium, was, um, was Joe Lewis's first loss. And, you know, he couldn't get it out of his mind. He would ultimately win the world title against Jim Braddock, but all he wanted was a rematch with Max Schmeling. And in 1938... And World War Two was, was uh, you know, in its infancy. Hitler was trying to prove that, uh, you know, they were a dominant race. And Max Schmeling, uh, who really wasn't supportive of, of Hitler, he was married to a, a uh, actress, a, a German actress, and, and that's a whole other story. But um, they set up the rematch. And at the time, Max Schmeling was 52 wins, 7 losses, and 4 draw- draws. It took place... Uh, at Yankee Stadium on June 22nd, 1938. And I want to play the recording right now, okay? This is the actual radio broadcast uh, of this fight, of the rematch that took place. Now, the backdrop here, Dax, is that this is like a, you know, the only thing that's missing is everyone chanting USA, USA, okay? Um, And you're going to hear Steve Lott here for a minute. Um, because uh, we did this live, and I wanted to include him on it. So uh, uh, let's, uh, let's hear the original radio broadcast of uh, Joe Lewis Max Schmeling 2. Uh, well, we might as well listen to it
2: right now. I'm now we, we have the original. Now, this is the original radio broadcast, right? The original radio broadcast uh, around the United States and transmitted throughout the world in English-speaking. And uh, it's so wonderful because the announcer really was so good at Clem mccarthy at calling the shots and you have to be really quick with that otherwise you miss the moment and you're 30 seconds later it's not the action but we can listen and you'll hear it
1: yeah now now just so everybody knows this is the original uh a uh, radio broadcast uh steve uh, is letting us play it and uh my, the real producer uh, uh goes has got it ready now so check it out enjoy people
3: The ring, and there we are, and they got to the ring right together with Arthur, gentleman, dipper and Drum, and Joe, the is in the center of the ring, Max going around, Joe Lewis left quick, with two straight lefts to the chin, both of them white, but as the men clinch, Joe Lewis tries to get over two hard left, and Max tries him up in the breakaway clean, on the far side of the ring now, Max with his back to the hook, and Lewis hooks the left to Max's head quickly, and shoots over a hard right to Max's head, Lewis, a left to Max's jaw, a right to his head, Max shoots up. The first, the left and then the right. He's landed more blows in this one round. they he landed a nice five rounds of the other fight. And there, Max Schneeling caught him with his guard down. And that right hand in the middle of But Lewis is going away with a pumps at the time. Now Max is backing away against the ropes. Lewis. Lewis is following him. And watching for that chance, he is crowding, snailing. Schneeling is not sitting around very much. But his face is already marked. And this gets into a fast clinch. And at close range, Lewis bites differently. To bring up a red left to the jaw and a right to the body. And coming out of that clinch, he got over a with a good straight left jab, and Max backs away, and missed the right, Lewis then pops him with two straight left to the face, and brought over that hard right to the head, I am a devil, and Max, right after the clinch, and Rope Brown is back against the ropes again, they're not too close to the ropes, Lewis down. and Lewis missed with a left swing. watching carefully lewis measuring right to the body and left up to the door and smilling is down the count is five five six seven eight the men are in the ring the fight is over I attack the gun knockout max mealing is beaten in one round the first time that a world heavyweight championship ever changed hands in one round in left and around
1: man great stuff you know uh Interesting comment I just
2: heard. Yes. You know, uh, didn't didn't uh, didn't Joe Lewis have the title going into this fight? Yes, uh, for some reason uh, the announcer uh, was so excited by the moment. Of uh, the drama of all this, he got so excited he forgot that Joe Lewis was the champion, right? And that the title did not change hands, right? Right. And, uh, but uh, sometimes that happens, you know. Even Cosell sometimes used to mess up like that too, you know. Man, that's you great know? stuff. It's it's actually it's chilling, chilling, you know. And, it is. Yeah. And since I had watched the film about a million times, as the announcer is calling the action, I see the frames going through my mind, the actual film, you know. And the one thing that made Joe so very, very special—a fight like this was. Huge at that time, and the huge knockout—the moment when the referee counts ten, Arthur Donovan Joe just turns around and walks to his corner. Great stuff! Great stuff! And
1: uh, I don't know. I think I lost Dax here. I don't, I don't have his video. Any? Are you are you there, Dax?
0: Yeah, I'm here. You yeah. don't have my video?
1: I don't. No, no, no. But but um, in any event, um, great stuff right there. And you know, I, I love hearing uh the radio announcer. Give him the old one two and uh you know, it it just Joe Lewis went and, and just viciously attacked Max Schmelling uh in this fight and it was uh uh it sounded like a horse horse race, uh the way the the announcer was, was calling it. Did did uh I got you back now, Dax. Um, yeah, that was my fault. I yeah. was
0: uh adjusting some wires I hit something.
1: But in any event, uh um what did you think of that?
0: That that was great. You know, I can imagine what it was like back then, um, sitting next to as we spoke last week about Ray Robinson, and being limited television sets in homes and even limited radios, where people would get together in uh, groups. I can just imagine how many people sat around considering. Even before World War II started, um, everybody knew what was brewing around the world in terms of Hitler's plans. So um and they knew that Max Schmelling was more or less Hitler's poster child, I guess you would say, for lack of a better um expression in terms of what the Aryan race should be like and Joe Lewis, the American, the anti um, Aryan race, the anti, uh, Hitler and everybody just sitting around listening with, you know, with bated breath, wondering what's going to happen, especially because Joe was knocked out in that first fight.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, it went 13 or 15 rounds the first fight. This fight didn't go one round, you know, um, you know, interesting thing. and I don't know how many people out there watching or listening know this, but Max Schmeling and Joe Lewis formed a bond that, um, Lasted throughout, well, Joe Lewis's life. Max Schmeling uh, outlived Joe. Um, But they respected each other immensely. And I believe they only saw each other one other time afterwards. But Max Schmeling became extremely wealthy outside of the ring. He invested in this thing called uh, Coca-Cola and became the main Coca-Cola distributor, basically, for Europe. And obviously had buku dollars and would actually send Joe Lewis money uh, throughout the rest of his life um, and paid for his funeral as well, Um, which is is pretty cool to, to, to consider, Dax, because the bond that sometimes people don't understand, especially in that era that was formed inside of the ring. Now, here's two guys that are trying to literally knock each other unconscious, right? and they respected each other so much that it carried throughout their, their lifetime. I, I, find that, I find that amazing. And although you do see some forms of that today, I don't think the impact was as much as it was for those two guys. What, what do you think?
0: No, it wasn't, especially because, one, Max Schmeling was so anti what was going on over in Europe and he after that first win he truly he, I mean, he he truly um despised Hitler and he truly felt like he was being disrespected as Hitler would call him his show horse and um the fact that Joe Lewis was willing to step in the ring with him, and Joe Lewis, despite everything else that was going on throughout the world, and how the majority of people, especially in this country, looked at the German, Joe was always very respectful to him, and that meant a lot to Max Schmeling, and um, I do believe, of course, we have known, as you stated, other fighters, such... Um, In more recent times, Mickey Ward and Arturo Gaddy, you know, how they created a great bond after their rivalry. um, Add those with the um, other things that were going on in the world. Yeah, that was a special bond that, you know, its you really can't really describe or, you know, even say, you know, what... Exactly held them so tight together, even though they were so far away and for so long. the only thing I do know is that when um Joe Lewis died and Max helped pay for his um, his funeral that uh, a reporter had asked his wife who was um, as you stated a European actress about um why did Max help pay for the funeral of Joe Lewis, especially since the loss to and friendship with Joe put him in a position where Adolf Hitler considered exiling Max from Germany, to which uh, her reply, I believe, was Max said Joe Lewis was a real friend and a friend would do nothing less. And I guess he said he regretted at times, not doing more for Joe. And he was also a pallbearer at Joe Lewis's funeral.
1: We're joined, too, by uh, Alex Papali, who's surrounded by some great fighters in, in his own right right now, if you see the camera shot. But, uh, Alex, I couldn't wait for you, man. I played the the, the uh, actual radio broadcast of uh, Lewis Schmelling too. Dax and I just finished playing it. Uh, chilling. I, I don't know if you, you had ever heard that before, but, um, you know, uh, the late great Steve lot, uh, and I were, were in Vegas. I was doing a week there and he let me rebroadcast that. And we just did it again. Um, thoughts on Joe Lewis.
4: By far one of my favorites. And actually as uh, as a kid, um, it was the first autobiography. His was the first autobiography I've ever read. Um, and uh, it's called Joe Lewis, My Life. Um, and uh, I remember doing a, a term paper on it uh, in, uh, in high school. Um, yeah, I've been a huge fan and quite honestly, I think that um, in terms of heavyweight champions, it's Joe Lewis and Ali. Uh, I think Ali, of course, is the greatest of all time. He told us again and again, but I think I would rate Joe slightly better um in terms of skills Ali, of course he was supernatural um but i think uh joe was all around the better fighter um he uh he his he grew up very very poor um his uh his dad was mentally ill and um he, uh, his parent, he, his mom moved him uh, north in the Great Migration, uh, where a lot of blacks moved north, uh, fled the south, and he moved to Detroit. And, you know, as is typical for so many fighters, you know, very, very hard work, laborer, uh, moved ice. Um, so, uh, and then, and, and actually one of his first fights, I think he got knocked down seven times, but he kept getting up. Uh, so this idea of guys who, uh, um, you know, might start out a little discouraged. Uh, one of the inductees this year, of course, was uh, Bernard Hopkins, his first pro fight he lost, Clinton Mitchell. Um, you know, so uh, that idea, you know, Joe to knock down seven times and still think, nah, I'm going to try this sport.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, never say never, right? Hey, Alex, of all people, you know how, you know, you and I try not to, talk politics but uh but the truth of the matter is you know and like I said to Dax earlier and, and and everybody watching one of the things that irks me to this day is what our government did to Joe Lewis um about the 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 tax uh, uh tax money that he owed and the money where it was from it, it, it was from the the World War II uh relief uh, efforts where he would fight uh, expi- expeditions, uh, expeditions, exhibitions, uh, along with some other regular fights that he had uh, in front of sold out crowds where he donated his whole purse to uh, to the uh, war relief. And the government hounded this poor guy to the day he died with their hands out trying to get money. And of course, the interest... If anybody's ever owed the government money, and I know personally how they are, uh, they hound you, and it's the penalties and interest it just never goes away. What's your thoughts on that because i i th- I thought it was terrible and 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 w- this guy did a lot not only doing the the donation of his purse but he did a lot for the sport. And I think for the times, you know, this fight, this rematch with Max Schmeling alone was a unifying, a a United States unifying victory for him that goes well beyond uh, the boxing ring. And, of course, the desegregation movement that he was pretty much spearheaded uh, for the military, for the United States military, which was still segregated during these fights. I mean... What's your thoughts that, the, that our own government pissed on this guy the way they did?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that's one hey, of the Hey, hey, get
1: that cat out of the shot. We're not paying any royalties to the cat. Come on, man.
4: <laughs> well, you know, that's, um, I actually, uh, the, he, he passed away, but I had a cat named Max Schmeling. Um, uh, his name was Max, and I didn't want to change it, so um, I call, I changed it to Max Schmelling. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do think that, um, it's extremely unfortunate and it, and, and it is to the point of, uh, yeah, it does seem almost parasitic, like they're taking advantage of him, uh, that, uh, of if anybody deserved to get some sort of, uh, consideration worked out, uh, you're right for the amount of inspiration, uh, that he, uh, was able to do, uh, you know, to serve, uh, both during world two and, um, and beyond. Uh, yeah, you would think that, and it also speaks to the idea that, you know, uh, these fighters, it, they do, a lot of them, uh, could certainly use a help, um, outside of the ring, um, you know, financial assistance with accountants and stuff like that. I mean, that, that's the thing that's so sad about our sport is that it's not like, um, you know, other sports where there is a league where, although you, you hear uh, heartbreaking stories there about guys going broke too. I mean, one of the things about um, Joe is he was a huge spender uh, at the time, you know, when he was in his prime, he was making like 400 grand a year uh, in prize money. And the average American was making about $1,400 a year. And Joe was burning through it, spending, spending, spending. So, but yeah,
1: but that's that seems yeah. so common with oh, yeah. athletes to this day. He and was the
4: generous thing, before. well, he, was he would go out, hand out hundred dollar bills.
1: I know. Well, the the thing is, is that a lot of athletes today, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, are the first two that come to mind. Um, to lose all that money, it, it's it's what happens is they don't their lifestyle doesn't change after the money stops coming in and it drains them very quickly um you you guys remember the the it's my favorite boxing movie requiem of a heavyweight and there's a scene at the at, at the end where um uh quinn anthony quinn who who was the character in the movie um after you know he screwed over and everything else um is it, it, forced to resort to putting on an Indian headdress and and playing that character in in professional wrestling. It was a direct connection to Joe Lewis and the basically humiliation that you know, a figure like joe lewis, who 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 was such a a, 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 a prominent figure, you know worldwide, not just in the sports, that they're forced to do, it's sort of like, you know, uh, the zoo, you know, uh, uh, making fun of the, the animal behind the cage, so to speak, behind the bars. What do you guys think of that, Dax? Uh, start with you. I mean, because that, to me, that scene, as much as I love the movie and I, and I love the character that Anthony Quinn played, I can't help but think of Joe Lewis.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Number one, Joe Lewis, he was, despite the fact that he was often insulted by various newspapers across the country, he was referred to as the Detroit Negro, Um, the whole bum of the month club, which I'm sure we'll go into, was more or less a... Form of racism where these were very good fighters, except they wanted them to knock Joe Lewis out, and because they could not, that was an insult. That was a way of insulting them for not being able to knock out this Detroit Negro, this overrated, this big spender. But Joe Lewis was totally different than Jack Johnson. He didn't flaunt things in people's faces. As Alex stated, he was generous to a fault. Um Joe Lewis was the first active world champion to join the army. Um and while he never saw battle, Lewis traveled to uh exhibitions to boost morale. Um Joe Lewis actually joined just a month after Japan bombed Pearl Harbor and on uh, um I believe he had also just defended his title a month before that, and pretty much all of his winnings, as you stated in nineteen forty one were donated to the military efforts and was um you know he was discharged in nineteen forty five with the rank of uh, sergeant, but no and he, um Lewis did not make any money during those time during those years that he was in the military you know all his time was spent. As a patriot, as a, um, an idol, you know, to uh, boost morale, to uh, kind of bring the country together, to kind of uh, get other countries uh, to form a bond, so to speak. You know, Joe Lewis is what I was talking about earlier on how important he was beyond boxing. And nobody ever, ever told him that these donations were not tax deductible. Joe Lewis also did not have really the best backers behind him. He had kind of questionable businessmen that you know more or less bankrolled him into the pro ranks. And um, on top of that, Joe Lewis, while he was a patriot and he wasn't racist and he wasn't political, his fights with Max Schmeling that created a genuine friendship. They both suffered for um, Joe Lewis never once, at least publicly, seemed to be bitter. And that speaks a lot about the type of guy he was, and it speaks a lot about the type of people who were around him over the years, including many celebrities, including our own government, weren't
1: Dax, what's your thoughts on that scene, the connection uh, with uh, that scene in in Requiem for a heavyweight and and the real Joe Lewis.
0: Yeah, it was you know it was sad that um joe lewis had to resort to that um joe lewis was lucky enough that he had a friend named ash resnick who he had met in the army who owned a casino that gave him a house to live in and a fifty thousand dollar a year salary um more or less to be a greeter at his casino um except the debt creditors never stopped coming you know fifty thousand dollars even in the uh The 60s and 70s was, you know, quite a bit of money. Um, But Joe Lewis, we often see him look more like he was shopping inside the Salvation Army, wearing mismatched cheap polyester suits. His health was failing. Um, Everybody was an opportunist, including politicians, whether or not they were senators, whether or not they were governors, whether or not they were congressmen, whether or not they were businessmen. Everybody wanted to get a photo with uh, Joe Lewis. Um, It was kind of like a nonstop weekend at the International Boxing Hall of Fame,
1: and Joe Lewis was, was a more puppet. or less it, a monkey in a cage, he that was. that makes sense. And no, it, it, out of. it does make sense. And Alex, you know, that scene, I don't know if it made an impact on you the way it did to me, but it, it was extremely sad. It sounds sad. I'm ashamed to say I've never
4: seen that movie. Are you
1: effing kidding me?
4: I'm sorry. Dax, I'm let's
1: let's one should I disconnect? Hang you up know? on me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I mean um, look look at this. I think Ale- a, I think Alex works. P what a fraud. What a fraud. Look behind him. He's got Jack Johnson and Joe what? Lewis right behind him. He's never seen Requiem of a Heavyweight.
4: You know, I even <laughs> think I think it might even be saved on my devo. Think- oh my god,
1: even that's even worse. That's oh, oh you haven't had a chance. Oh, let me guess you haven't had a chance to watch it? Come on, Papali. You know, I mean, jeez. I'll, I'll do it for next week. Uh, you better, but that idea that I mean, Devo I,
0: didn't that go on, yeah? That's
1: I get rid of
4: that. With web TV. I know, I, I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> uh, that's funny, um, yeah. Well, I tell you though, well, um, but anyway, the um, I, I do think that, uh, yeah, that's one of the sad things. I mean, just with Joe Lewis's um, you know, twilight in wrestling and the fact that that's part of what. You know he got, he got severely damaged from uh, you know getting thrown around on the ring, and he broke a few ribs. That I forget if it perforated along or, but I remember that uh, him being like in rough shape for a long time after that. So um, and yeah, the fact that he had to resort to it was just because he had some cachet for his with his name, and that he was an ex heavyweight champion. Um, you know that he
1: and And he needed the money. Um, he He needed yeah. the money. He needed the money because he was trying to pay the government off.
4: They were I, hounding
1: I, I, him at every every corner. Yeah, it's
4: heartbreaking. Yeah. and I that's the other thing. I mean, that is uh, I don't know if the if the listeners um, uh, are, are familiar with the children's book, um, The Giving Tree. By or, Shel oh, don't make me cry
1: after that yeah. again.
4: Oh, no, I, I that mean, is, Jesus, uh, you know he uh, watches.
1: Uh, you know what, Dax? He he reads that and he makes us all cry, but he doesn't even watch the Requiem of heavyweight.
4: Tell you that the thing about <laughs> um the thing about to me that um book is sort of allegorical of a relationship with boxers. If you're a fan, if you really love this sport because these people give us these guys give us every and 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 women give us everything um and when you see them at the hall of fame some are in more intact than others and you have to really have no sense of sense of empathy uh to not realize wow um this sport uh shortens lives and you know it is now i'm not saying that you know you know, if you, if you go to a coal, a coal miners reunion, I'm sure there's a lot of people there with COPD. There's people who aren't there anymore because of black lung or something like that. And it's, this is the, the trade that they signed on to. There might be somebody who, you know, is missing an eye from a, 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 you know, an injury down there in the mines. Uh, that's the same thing with boxing. And the thing that's about the Hall of Fame is we're not done with them. Ah, uh, just like in the giving tree, we still want more with the stumps. The stumps that we see there, uh, we want a picture with them. We want uh, an autograph. But and when you think about it, for them, it's beautiful again. Just like the tree, he's happy um, that the, the man sits on the stump. Yeah, but you know, you know what though? That for four that, days for four days, they get to be a king again. Yeah, but
1: that again. that bothers me so much. I know, I know what you're saying. It's and Well, I, that's
4: just it. That's the joyful
1: participation
4: in the sorrows.
1: Of- I know. I, I had the conversation with Marlon uh, two weeks ago, you know, and, and I, I told him. He, he was saying, why aren't you going, you know, and I, and I told him, you know, that's the reason. Because, and it's not the kids. Dax and I had this conversation uh, the last time we were up there together, and, and, and what really sucks is... The autograph guys, the guys that are selling autographs, pictures and stuff like that on the Internet are pushing the kids away from getting a damn autograph, you know, and and they're making a buck on it. And and here we are trying to build that audience again, you know. But uh, anyway, Dax, you mentioned about the bum of the month. I I touched on it before you guys came on. I just could. I had to start early because I I couldn't wait. But, um, you know, 27 Successful title defenses, 22 coming by knockout from 1937 to 1950. And when you look at these guys, I mean, you know, the tough ones, you know, I'm not even going to include like the two-ton Tony Galentos and and the Jack Ropers, et cetera. Um, But the guys, you know, like Al McCoy and Johnny Paycheck and Arturo Goodoy and, of course, Billy Kahn and Buddy Bear and Abe Simon, which... Actually, I, which I just learned was, was considered the British uh, heavyweight champion when he fought uh, Joe Lewis. But, um, I, I mean, all these guys, uh, Jersey Joe, I, I mean, these guys were top guys. And to, to have them referred to as the bum in a month club during that era and compare it to today is mind-boggling because most of them would have had a belt, Dax.
0: Yeah, they were um either a light heavyweight champion or they were champion like uh Godoy, he was the South American champion. Um, you know, Joe Lewis also going back to his uh generosity. Um when Joe Louis fought John Henry Lewis, who became a, a Hall of Famer himself, and this was um, the second Hall of Famer in a row that Joe Lewis had defeated. The truth behind that fight was John Henry Lewis and Joe Lewis were friends for a long time, and he had just successfully defended his light heavyweight title a few months earlier against Al Gainer. He was going blind, and he was going blind rapidly from... Um, blows to the head, not nothing to his eyes. It was a neurological problem. And um, Joe Lewis, being such a good friend, knew that John Henry needed a big paycheck so he could retire. And he also knew that if he let John Henry Lewis stink by going any sort of rounds with him, he was still had it in him and his career could still go on that would be most detrimental to John Henry Lewis than anything so as a true friend he insisted on that fight and he made short work of John Henry Lewis because he knew if he knocked John Henry Lewis out in that first round John Henry Lewis due to discussions they had had together would have come to terms with alright, you know what, I can't anymore. And Joe Lewis got him a huge payday, at least for, you know, the time and for John Henry Lewis's career. John Henry Lewis never fought again. Um, it was a payday he deserved, and um, Joe Lewis made sure that he finished him in a fashion as I stated, where John Henry Lewis was under no false pretenses that he could continue on. And
1: Speaking of John Henry Lewis, I just want to make yeah, a statement.
0: I believe that uh, there was um, a report one time that uh, a reporter in back in the dressing rooms trying to talk to Joe Lewis was actually shoved out of the building because Joe Lewis was in his dressing room and he was crying over what he had did.
1: Well, Mark, Rocky Marciano was crying over what he did to, to, to Joe Lewis. But one thing I want to say before you give your, your thoughts on this, Alex, was John Henry Lewis was, was one of these fighters. Now, of course, I'm going to you know plug my book here. Um, they, they mentioned that he was a descendant of Tom Molino. I never found that out. Um, it, for every research that I did, that was not true. Um, because Tom Molino didn't have any kids. So how could he have a descendant? <laughs> I mean, you know, not any kids that he knew of, you know. Uh he did uh <clears throat> have several women. But uh Alex, your thoughts.
4: Um, I think the thing about Joe Lewis, uh, that well, for um one of the things that just made him absolutely beloved, uh and that made the um the Schmeling, um, especially the rematch, such a massive event was um, both, both a, a, you know, a sociocultural uh, sporting event, um, was that, uh, and this was very important because if you think about it, Jack Blackburn, his trainer, had lived through the era of Jack Johnson. Uh, Blackburn was a lightweight boxer. Uh, a contemporary of Jack Johnson, who, of course, was the first uh, black heavyweight champion. And because of his conduct, um, uh, white America promoters, they just no uh, black fighter got a shot at the heavyweight title until 1936 or 1937, rather, when when Lewis fought Jimmy Braddock. And that was one of the things that when uh, Jack Blackburn was approached to uh train joe lewis he thought he was going to be looking at a white fighter and he's like yeah bring the white bring bring this white boy over uh and i'll take a look at him and they said oh no he's um he's a black guy his name's joe lewis and they were like i don't are you kidding me because he didn't the idea that he'd go anywhere uh he would face the same prejudice that every black fighter fought uh, yeah but that. yeah but but it was the thing where he gave those specific rules well It was a perfect match, if you think about it, because he gave Joe the rules of never to be, all the things that went wrong for Jack Johnson in the sense of, you know, went wrong in the terms of uh, acceptance for white America was never be photographed uh, with a white woman, never be photographed or or seen gloating over your opponent. Um, And and one of my favorite, let your right fist be the referee. Because there's going to be a lot of fights that, you know, you're not getting a decision. So knock these guys out.
1: You know, Dax mentioned that about, you know, we talked about that last week and again today. And and I agree. It was a smart move for them to, you know, basically coach Joe Lewis and, and it definitely helped the success. But being a huge Jack Johnson fan, um you know, it was a different world. And and Jack Johnson, the, the the thing about it, the way I read into Jack Johnson, and don't worry, boys and girls, we're going to do one on Jack Johnson too. But, you know, this was a guy that hated Jim Crow America, hated having to take the, the back seat or not be able to drink out of the same water uh, fountain or eat in the same diners as, as white people and all of this stuff. This was a guy that said, F you to all of that and still... You know, flaunted whatever he wanted to do, and and to me, that's what I loved about Jack's John, Jack Johnson. He didn't care about what the public perceived him as, and yes, it it hurt him. Whereas Joe Lewis benefited from not doing that, but I think that's what makes Jack Johnson Jack Johnson. You know, and and especially. <laughs> The version jack johnson's version of his life i mean I, i've read everything on jack johnson and he wrote an autobiography that actually was written in, in france in french and then they converted it and he's like a superhero in that book uh, i mean like he was a spy he was this i mean i don't know alex did you ever read that yeah, version
4: he, oh yeah he fights a shark
1: yeah
4: <laughs> uh, fights and kills a shark yeah he's um,
1: he's like a superhero in that but uh but anyway, but see, that that's
4: the thing uh, with Joe Lewis, uh, they managed him very well because one, as he was uh, coming up the pro ranks, um he was very active and he fought a lot of ex champions, um, and that won him. Uh, the favor of a lot of the crowd. I know my own family, my, my grandmother would always talk about how much her dad loved Joe Lewis. This guy never really learned English. And somehow, you know, Joe spoke to the Italians. And part of it was they saw him whack out Primo Carnera. And, um, you know, he was an ex champion, you know, of course things didn't work out when he, he ran into the ex champion, Max Schmeling the first time. But if you read the autobiography, it's because Joe wasn't doing any training whatsoever. All he was doing was, um, was fooling around and playing golf.
1: You know, it's funny you mentioned the golf because he loved golf I have I I have photos of him reading Love books you know how to how to fast track to being a pro in golf and all of this I mean a lot of a lot of athletes like that but you know I I, I want to bring up the Italian thing okay Alex you opened up the door all right and I don't know if I ever sent you the article but let me tell you something I'll tell you why Italians are, are so close uh, to to African Americans um, you know I the Italians, the, the, the big uh, migration, so to speak, European migration that everyone remembers was in the early 1900s through the 30s when a lot of Europeans, including Italians, uh, came to the United States. But the first migration happened right after slavery was abolished here in the United States. And predominantly Italians came to this country, mostly Sicilians, um, back in, in the mid-1800s and took the jobs that were vacated by the freed slaves who hightailed it out of town, specifically in the New Orleans area, okay? And it got so bad, you know, uh, uh, you know we all know how terrible Jim Crow America was and, and with the lynchings and everything else, and the Italians were being lynched right next to the, the African Americans, and it got so bad that the United States and Italy was about to have a war. And the United States was a young country who just got out of a war, a, a, a civil war, and really wasn't fully healed from the revolution not that many years prior and didn't want an, a war with Italy. So guess what they did? Go ahead, guess. Guess, people. i I can't believe I didn't send you this article, Alex, but I'm going to... I think you did, but I, I Oh, you so. never read that either. Oh, I see. I see how this guy... You see this guy next... But but it was, listen... It's behind, it was
4: behind the paywall.
1: Listen, listen. They formed Columbus Day. They gave... The United States recognized Columbus Day as a celebration for, the, uh, for what the Italians contributed to America. And it prevented the war... And I never knew this. My, my grandparents came over here in the, in the other uh, migration in, in, the, in the early 1900s. I never knew it. It was appalling to hear how Italians were treated. And I can only imagine how African-Americans feel, you know. So, yeah, I'm going to send it to you again. Maybe this time you'll read it, you know. But well, that's I'm- why your grandmother loved Joe Lewis. you know. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, just saying, you know.
0: Anyway. Interesting about Joe Lewis.
1: Damn you, Alex. Maybe
0: you guys can, or Alex uh, can clear this up, is when he... Alex reads nothing we send
1: him. I don't know.
0: That um, he was not automatically recognized as the champion. It took the NBA and NISAC different times to recognize him as the champion um you know there was believe it or not you know we, we always could talk about and complain today that um about sanction body politics and they had them back again um and due to racism that you know i was you know from certain articles i read was that the um hey guys and, you take it i got to step away for a minute NBA really didn't want to recognize Joe Lewis as champion, and neither did um, NYSAC. But at, there was no way not to uh, recognize him as the heavyweight champion. Also, at the time, um, Joe Lewis, after losing his belt to Ezra Charles, he became the BBB of C champion. By stopping Minnesota Lee Savold Who was known as the um, battling bartender Later on faced Rocky Marciano But uh, Lee Savold had won his belt In England by defeating uh, Bruce Woodcock In a rematch And um, and it was only the BBB of C Who recognized Joe Lewis As the heavyweight champion of the world at the time And it was for only a short amount of time I believe they... Uh, Savold and Lewis fought somewhere around June or July, and then Marciano and Lewis fought in, um, I believe it was October. But, you know, Joe Lewis had multiple reigns. And he had to overcome and deal with, you know, several of these sanctioned bodies. Obviously, the BBFC in England, they were not quite as racist as this country was. Um, Joe Lewis, he was not always the, um, And much of it had to do with, I believe, Alex, is because he didn't speak up. He could have spoke out, spoke up, been a little bit more um, interactive with the public than Jack Johnson without the Jack Johnson arrogance. And I don't think that would have hurt him. But, you know, Joe Lewis, as you guys already stated, was... um, told to behave a certain way, which, you know, Joe Lewis did. And um, Joe Lewis, between the Army hurting him, um, the layoff, and um, him not making that money while he was there, and Joe Lewis donating his 1941 purses, and the Army wanting, uh, the military, and not the, arm, not the uh, military, but the government wanting taxes on that. As I stated, nobody explained anything to Joe Lewis about this. I don't understand why. And I'll say something when Bill gets back about how he mentioned something of that picture of Joe Lewis in Vegas later on in the wheelchair and how that always stuck in his mind. And um, I'll compare that to uh, something that's always stuck in my mind when I was younger than some pictures of Joe Lewis and some celebrities and a former fighter who – was a world champion and matter of fact he managed two-ton Tony Galento um short story uh you know that was um Jack Dempsey and uh he came to the gym and seen that two-ton Tony was not training for his fight with Joe Lewis and that actually kind of pissed Jack off and Jack was in a silk suit and um so Jack gets out of his silk suit and he's wearing one of those full body um pajamas that they used to wear back then, the under uh rules, the underwear, whatever you call them. And um they were silk too. And he uh gets in the ring and says, Here, I'll show you how we did it back in my day. And he just beats the hell out of Tuton Tony Galento And Galento finally just told him, All right, all right, I'll train, I'll train.
4: Oh man. <laughs> um,
0: but the uh we like Alex and when when Bill gets back, you know, we'll talk about the pitcher and um uh what ronald reagan said
1: leave ron out of this um well i i do think that <laughs>
4: one things one of the things with joe lewis is that especially later in life um i mean i, I think much of his condition is as a result of fighting too long um and uh, and yeah the financial woes are you know compounded that of course uh but um I do think that uh the relationship with Schmelling was 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 fascinating because yeah they started out as rivals and um and yeah uh it's hard not to be sympathetic with Sch- when you hear the whole Schmelling story because um uh, there is actually a pretty decent movie about it too uh a Showtime movie I think Joe and Max
0: Yes and- yes I remember seeing that
4: yeah, and one of the things with Schmelling was that uh, he was dating um, one of the Germany's best swimmers, um, and she, uh, Adolf Hitler, took a shine to her. So there was a couple of times that you know he had dinner with the Führer, uh, especially after beating Lewis. And can you imagine where someone is openly flirting with your girlfriend, and you have to keep your mouth shut? And then it's also it's Hitler. Um, So that how uncomfortable would that be? Um, But yes, uh, they did become friends afterwards. I mean, uh, Schmelling did fight as a paratrooper in the war. But then I believe after he left the service, he did hide Jews from the Nazis. So he was someone who, uh, you know, he was German but he wasn't a Nazi uh, if you will and um, and him and Joe became friends uh, later in life uh, and like you guys had already mentioned right when I came on that they um, he had helped pay for his funeral and was one of his pallbearers
0: yeah, um, matter of fact he had denied um, several times going to um, to dinner with uh, Hitler at what um, I forget what they called it officially, but it it was at a, you know germany 's version of the white House but um in terms of like say you know now that bill's back, um bill had mentioned about that um that picture of Joe Lewis sitting in the wheelchair in Vegas that always stuck in your mind, mm. and um you know so I always. Start, you know, since then, and I knew about we were going to be doing this. I, you know, I thought about um, me as a kid going downstairs, sneaking into the basement uh, where my uncles and his friends would get together on Saturday nights, on Saturday afternoons, and um, watch old reel to reel fights on the basement walls and they were really horrible in terms of quality they must have been spliced together 200 times and they had Jack Dempsey and Joe Lewis uh, among some of the other fights on there and um, me being so young I really had no concept of you know exactly how important these guys were just watching the reaction of the, uh, the grown men you know made me feel like okay yeah this is these guys gotta be something special and um Also, as a kid, growing up, you know, in the 80s, Superman was Christopher Reeves. I wasn't, obviously, old enough to see um, George Reeves. His father. And whose only um, weakness was kryptonite. And I remember seeing that news brief about Reeves being in an accident while... I knew he wasn't a superhero because I was in my, you know, my, tw- my early 20s by then. When they showed that picture of him in the wheelchair that he controlled with his mouth, if you remember. I was kind of like, um, kind of like a, like a strange feeling in my chest. Like, you know, this is Superman. Um, And even again, like I stated, I knew he wasn't, you know, really Superman, but, you know, I just thought about growing up as a kid, you know, this was Superman, and then when he, um, he died in 2004, I remember saying to a friend of mine how stupid I felt, and he had asked me why, and I said because there was a time that I had really thought this guy was Superman, and when I seen him on other shows or I've seen him on interviews or in other movies I always believed that he was in disguise he didn't want his cape to be shown he, it was all part of his whole other persona and you know whether or not you're a kid or you're a grown up we don't like to admit it especially as adults but we all have somebody we look up to whether or not it's an athlete, whether or not it's a um, an actor, whether or not it's a politician, so on and so forth. And when you see somebody like a, uh, a Joe Lewis or a Christopher Reeves who were larger than life and they're placed in that situation, it kind of just brings everything to reality that was never real before, if that kind of makes sense. You know, you, you understood, but, you know, it just totally makes you look at your life and realize that whatever's going on, due to the fact that the person you looked up to has shown to be a ordinary person, no different than you, that you looked up to them because, especially in boxing, being a one-on-one sport, um, we become more attached. Due to the fact that fighters either come from the same city, the same neighborhood, some of our parents know their parents, they work together. Um, I'm not saying that you know everybody wants to be a fighter, but you know you get this feeling that if they can do it, they can get out of here, um, and they can succeed. I can do it, in whatever I want to do. So you know that's why they become an inspiration. Um, in terms of Joe Lewis, the most. probably the most iconic set of pictures was in 1978 and Joe lewis was at some sort of gathering and get together at the casino that his friend owned and um at that event you see a lot of Rich people, a lot of celebrities, a lot—not I shouldn't say celebrities—I say you know performers and a lot of politicians—all trying to surround Joe Lewis and get PR photos with him. Um, Joe had a small smile on his face, but you know you can see the look in his eyes was more or less there was no happiness. You know, you Joe Lewis—that look, despite that smile, said when will this be over? And it was evident that they were using Joe Lewis to showcase their ego. Jack Dempsey, I think it was, was on his left. And there were a lot of people in front of him. And he was trying to kind of shield Joe Lewis. And he had this look of anger in his eyes. And then there was a photo taken shortly after where Frank Sinatra is pushing Joe Lewis out of the casino. Towards a car, Jack Dempsey's walking next to them, again on Joe Lewis's left side. Um, You got the event PR uh, photographers, paparazzi, um, public people on the sidewalk, all trying to grab photos. Uh, Sinatra, Sinatra was clearly disgusted. Uh, Dempsey, if looks could kill, would. Um, His fists are even balled up, and um, in the last photo is of Lewis being taken away to the home, Ash Resnick owned that casino and gave him that job had given him uh, the sidewalk was clearing up, people going in different directions um, some of those photos were cropped or, and um, they were sold to different magazines newspapers and so on but remaining was Jack Dempsey standing in the street looking at the car drive away as if a long lost relative was leaving that he hadn't seen in years and was not sure if he'd ever see again. Frank Sinatra stood on the sidewalk next to Sammy Davis Jr. His lips were pressed so tightly and he had his fist balled up and he looked ashamed of what took place. And Sammy Davis Jr. actually had tears in his eyes. We'll never know now What was really going through their minds Or what took place that night But, you know, going from those Expressions What we've seen in those pictures Inside the casino hotel um, How many people Used Joe Louis, um, Important figures, other celebrities Stalked outside The paparazzi would Just like today, get massive amounts of money To get pictures of Joe Lewis Looking at his worst rather than his best None of these people ever gave Joe Lewis any of that money that they more or less reached off of his, not success, but his downfall and his time of hurt rather than help Joe Lewis at all. Frank Sinatra had actually paid for Joe Lewis to fly on his personal jet to have heart surgery. Um, with the uh, absolute best cardiologist, best cardiac surgeon in the world at that point in time, um, when he died, I believe Frank Sinatra paid off all his debts, including what the government.
1: Frank Sinatra loved him, and and he was at that 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 famous photo that I hate. Um, he was there yeah, as, as well. But, um,
0: and including what he owed the government. And he was quoted in a magazine as saying, a man like Joe Lewis doesn't owe anyone anything. It's the other way around. And I won't allow anyone to make, them feel, make themselves feel bigger than what they are by saying my friend Joe Lewis was in their debt.
1: Yeah, well, that is, you know, the impact that he made on people especially entertainers like you mentioned sammy davis jr and of course uh, my man frank sinatra but a couple of things i just wanted to mention he was only 37 years old when he lost to rocky marciano um an age today that we have a tendency to say oh heavyweights aren't in their prime till at 35 you know so you know i I mean yeah you know so it's pretty crazy And the one thing I want to clarify on the Hitler and uh, Max Schmeling and and his wife thing, Hitler wanted to literally put Max Schmeling and his wife in a concentration camp, okay, because of the way he would not carry Hitler's message. He refused. And the only reason they didn't, was that the political ramifications that would have come, because just as much as Joe Lewis was beloved here in the States, Max Schmeling was beloved in Germany. And all of Hitler's advisors, and for one of the times that he actually listened, he didn't. And her career was put on hold, and he wasn't able to make a nickel. They had to basically stay, you know, uh, home arrest, if if what we call today, um, uh, until uh, until years later. And like I said earlier, uh, Max Schmeling did okay for himself in investing in this newfangled thing called Coca Cola. And yeah, uh, uh, what was, did think of uh, Max? I know, I know, but uh, um, amazing stuff with uh, with Joe Lewis, and and I know we could go on uh, forever. <laughs> That's the one other of the
4: things about it is that if you think about it, thirty-seven years old, but the mileage compared to today, um, the amount of fights he had. Yeah, but
1: uh, the the other thing too, Alex. I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's the same thing that we talked about last week. The the you know advancements in nutrition and training techniques and stuff also have to be credited to the longevity of athletes today. I mean, yeah. I mean, look. Look, nobody loves the past fighters more than me. But I finally you know, have to accept the fact. I mean, look, Joe Lewis, average weight for his fights were 200 pounds. Rocky Marciano was 185, 188 pounds. You know, these guys are are not even heavyweights today. You know, Dax mentioned John Henry barely, Lewis. Barely cruiserweights. Yeah, John Henry, not even, right? John Henry Lewis, that, that, you know, uh, light heavyweight, a lot of these guys would move up and down uh, Billy Kahn, Tammy Moralo, a lot of these guys, Bob Forster, a lot of these guys would move up and down uh, from the light heavyweight to the heavyweight ranks. There was nothing wrong with it. Um, yeah. you know, and and science, science has proved that a man um, or I should say a human being weighing you know, 175 pounds today can pack the similar power punch That a two hundred sixty-five pound man can, or woman, or whatever, um, can can land. The difference today is, they're six foot seven, weighing two hundred sixty pounds. You know, um, which is significant. But uh, right,
4: and remember, I mean, because that was one of the things we saw, and I mean, people all wondered about that before Roy Jones moved up and fought John Ruiz. Is you know, will he have any effect on Ruiz? And he absolutely 175 a 175 pound man can hurt and drop a 200 plus pound man. Oh, the speed,
0: um, Alexander Usik, is a prime example recently.
4: Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, um, you know, uh, yeah, our, but, our, our, it, where, where it's a little harder uh, is when you have somebody like a Tito who was real powerful at 147. It's You know, Tito did not have that power at, like, 168, 175, where he eventually did fight guys like Roy Jones. Um,
1: No, wait uh, a minute. I think it's different when you're 100.
4: We saw it recently with Bivol and – Canelo. Canelo, yeah. where he couldn't seem to – he didn't have the pop it's to really d- It's
1: different when a guy is naturally 170 pounds and he moves up to 200 versus a guy that was natural at 150 pounds and moves up to 175. I think yeah. that that's the issue. Yeah, that's but, but listen, fellas, here, here's the thing. Um, we're going to be doing uh, our next um, uh, show on Jack Johnson, Okay. But before we close today, I wanted to give a shout out to a longtime listener who calls me frequently um, and a lot of times has conversations with my voicemail. But uh, uh, his name is Augie from Riverhead, Long Island. You, you guys have heard me mention him a lot. He, his birthday was this past weekend. He turned 85 years old. And I want to give a shout out to Augie. And I appreciate everything. And he's 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 pissed at the sport, which I can totally relate. And he says every every show that he watches or listens to, um, he, he, all he's looking for is a is a prediction on Errol Spence versus Terence Crawford, who I think would win the fight and why. I know this is uh, off of Joe Lewis, but um. And he says every every show that he watches or listens to, no one will give an exact uh, uh, prediction. They give you all every other fact leading up to the potential fight. Um, I have a prediction, and I don't know how you guys feel, um, but I know Errol Spence is is bigger, and I know Errol Spence, you know, has displayed a lot of talent and everything else. But I've been saying all along about Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford, in my mind, was 100% underrated. Um, I'm not sure why people have the audacity to say that he he hasn't fought anybody because, in my opinion, he has. He was the B-side up until they finally said, wait a minute, let's switch him to the A-side. He's got a mean streak. He's never once uh, looked like he was ever in trouble. Um, my prediction for this fight, and, and quite honestly, Errol Spence ducked Manny Pacquiao, and he shouldn't have. Um, and Errol Spence really hasn't... Retina. Huh? He had a detached retina. Yeah, all right. But my point is, is, they could have made that fight even earlier. But, but you know, as it turned out, he should have fought Manny because Manny l- lost. He was a, a finished fighter. But my opinion is, Terrence Crawford will beat Errol Spence. I don't care about the size. I think Errol Spence... Um, is a talented fighter but he does not have the pedigree of Terrence Crawford so Augie my official prediction should these two get in the ring officially Terrence Crawford's gonna beat him the only way that Errol Spence wins is if Errol Spence waits another five or six years till Terrence Crawford's uh, 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 like uh, somebody alluded to earlier uh, Eddie Murphy in the famous barbershop scene you know uh, uh terence crawford's 137 years old for god's sakes so when he's talking about joe lewis fighting uh, uh rocky marciano but i think terence crawford's beat spence i really do and like dax said weeks months ago whenever we talked about spence isn't the same fighter after the accident he's not he's not the same fighter and 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 i think he's waiting for a big payday should he step in the ring with crawford crawford's gonna beat him what's your thoughts first alex
4: uh, I'm good. Good. I'm glad because this makes it interesting. I, uh, I do think that Crawford is maybe, uh, the better fighter. Uh, but I think, um, Spence is the bigger guy. And I think, um, I, I think he's better at welterweight. Uh, and I, so I favor Spence by the slightest margin, uh, probably by decision. I can't wait for it to, uh, for it to happen. Um, But uh, And I'm glad we have uh, differing opinions on it.
1: Yeah, well, you're dead to me now. Dax, what's your thoughts?
0: I think um, (laughs) Terrence Crawford is actually more versatile because he's able to switch stances so often, so easily, and he has an added chip on his shoulder, and he is a little bit more aggressive than Errol Spence has shown to be even before the accident. So um, I would have to go with uh, Crawford.
1: Yeah, I I mean, all kidding aside, uh, Alex, you know, Crawford's got that mean streak, something that a lot of fighters today lack, and I think it's so advantageous to a fighter to be able to flip that switch on and off, and Terrence Crawford does it amazingly well. Um, I think it's going to be a great fight, um, but... I can see it by the end of the year. You think it's going to happen by the
4: end of the year? I think so. I think it will. I don't know, I,
1: man. I, Al Heyman's fighters just don't fight the real fights. I don't want to hear the name Charlo either. One of them, you know. I, I actually had somebody email me say, you know, oh, they're the best thing. I, no, they're not. They're not. You know, but uh, Crawford I think Spence. At, I think we're at a time where both of the both
4: fighters want it, uh, and I think that's what's changed.
1: I don't know if Spence wants it. I think Spence is. Oh, I, I think. That. I think there's. I think. Dak said this months ago. I think. That there is something physically not a hundred percent with Spence, and I think he's calculating the fights. Um, he was nerve. Forget the retina. He was nervous about Pacquiao because Pacquiao was Pacquiao. We learned that Pacquiao was finished when when he fought Ugas. But Crawford's not finished, even though he's old older. Um, I, I just I don't know. My money's going on Crawford.
4: Yeah, I I don't know. I thought what he did to Ugas to me showed he didn't. I didn't see any damage. Uh, uh, I was very impressed with that. Um, I thought he looked very very sharp. Um, against I Ugas, really looking forward to it. Oh, one thing against I against to mention. To you stationary fighter. That. Well, well, yeah. I mean, yes, true. You know, I mean, he he wasn't faced with you know, Terrence Crawford, but he did what he should be. And who did he beat?
1: Guy, who did know? he beat so far? Let, let I mean, let's be real. Who has Errol Spence beat like a like a top guy? Who? Get, who? Sean
2: I Sean Porter.
1: Sean Porter. Okay, Sean Porter. I'll give him that. I love Sean Porter. He's an aggressive guy, but he's not a refined boxer like Crawford. We love him, right. But know?
4: he, I think he did, he did, uh,
1: he. And that um, was a close fight. Then correctly. he didn't. Well, yeah,
4: but I thought he uh, destroyed I, him. I didn't think he destroyed him, but I thought he, I thought he beat him pretty, pretty serious. Um, uh, what's the word? Convincingly. Okay. Um, uh, but one thing I wanted to mention at the banquet, they were showing when they introduced each Hall of Famer, uh, each of this the trilogy uh, inductees. They showed like a little clip of highlights, and when they showed Holly Holmes' highlight, it was against Chavel
1: Halbach. It should be. you know but uh anyway all right fellas well listen well let's look forward to next week jack johnson we'll talk about and uh we'll go from there sounds good all right fellas thanks a lot everybody don't forget to tune in and uh we'll talk to you next time ciao ciao baby